This week in PlayStation, we're talking about what it's like being an indie dev, the video game characters we connect with, and we're taking you on a video game preview. We'll have all this and more because this is PSI Love You XOXO. Welcome to the show, everybody. That's Janet. That's Abby. I'm Greg, and you can get this show on patreon.com slash kindoffunny. There, you can watch us record it live, get it ad-free, and get dozens of monthly episodes of exclusive content. If you have no bucks to toss our way, support us on the Epic Game Store, Fortnite, Rocket League, or Fall Guys with the creator code kindoffunny. You can get P.S. I Love You XOXO for free and without the ads and none of that stuff over there. Well, no, it's for free with the ads and none of the exclusive content over on YouTube.com slash Kinda Funny Games and podcast services around the globe. Thank you to our Patreon producer, Delaney Twining. Today, we're brought to you by Liquid IV, but let's start with a PSN message from you. Abby, welcome to P.S. I Love You XOXO. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much uh, for having me here. Don't worry about it. All right. You're doing us the favor. You're coming through. Uh, (laughs) People might not know you by name. They might not know why you're here. You're replacing Blessing this episode, and we're very excited about it. Right, Janet? Yes. Finally. Finally. We've been trying to get rid of this dead weight for so long. (laughs) Uh, But you're incredibly busy because you're making a game called Venba, aren't you? Yes, that's right. And your release date is coming up when? Uh, July 31st. I mean, that's so close. It is. It is pretty close. Yeah. It's incredibly close. How yes. how nervous are you? Where, where is it? Excitement? What are you feeling right now? Yeah, every once in a while, I just remember, like when I remember how many days it's away, uh, I get like a small, like a panic or a nervous breakdown. But then, but then I'm fine in the morning. So okay, Hell yeah, good, good, good. <laughs> uh, at this point, I, I assume it's it's done. It's on its way. Like where what, for you right now? What does an average day look like? What you're not working on the game anymore? Yeah. Yeah, so it's more about, um, you know, doing press stuff or setting up, making sure everything's ready for launch. Uh, the game itself is done. Uh, we have shipped. Um, and that, uh, I think, uh, is weird because, like, this is the part, uh, I think, is the weirdest part for me where I'm just waiting for it to happen. Yeah. Uh, before you were, we were making it happen, right? So, uh, but, yeah, I'm super excited uh, for all of you to play it uh, when it comes up. Well, you talked about that press stuff, and that's why we're here, of course. Uh, Of course, uh, your PR company, something called Pop Agenda, I've never heard about it, uh, reached out and was like, yo, Venba's coming up. Uh, We're going to go around. We're going to do these video game presentations, Uh, basically a preview event where you can come in, uh, you can join it, you can get a preview from Avi. He's going to go through and talk about all stuff. And I was like, that sounds awesome. Can we do something weird and bring the entire PS I Love You XOXO audience with us and post it at the embargo? And they were like... Mm -hmm. Okay. Abby was like, okay, I guess that's okay. Thank you, Abby, for saying okay to it. Otherwise, we'd be out an episode of the show for a week. But- uh, no, it's amazing. Uh, I was super excited uh, to do this, uh, and I'm really glad uh, to be here for sure. Well, I think you know so many uh, kind of funny fans have been around my entire career and heard me talk about what it's like to go to a video game preview, what it's going to be like, what you know, how it is to sit there and hear from a developer. Obviously, you know, when 2020 happened and everything changed, the... Uh, 
virtual demo became so easy, so turnkey that it, it can it continues to this day. And I imagine it's quite the both uh, cost and time saver for you as an independent developer who doesn't have the biggest checkbook probably to travel the world to the country to go see everybody. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think it's a pretty awesome opportunity for you to give the actual uh, preview that you gave to all the video game press that'll be popping when this episode pops. Our audience can just watch along. But before that, we need to start with a PSN message from you. And I thought we'd go to KDG. KDG wrote in to kindoffunny.com slash P-S-I-L-Y, just like you can. It says, hi, guys. I've been catching up on your Horizon coverage now, now that I've finished Burning Shores. And one thing I've noticed is, throughout both games and DLCs, I've really liked Aloy as a character and identified with her in a lot of ways. I feel like we have a lot of similarities. So whenever I hear you guys, or anyone, casually accusing her of being boring or bland or annoying, part of me feels personally attacked. This isn't a sob story. I think it's a compliment to how grounded Gorilla's characters are. My question is, are there any characters in games you feel personally connected to in that way? Let's start with the marathon run and game playing roller skate and Janet Garcia. Janet, who have you connected with in terms of characters? I mean, uh, it's interesting because there's so many ways to look at this question, whether it's through um, identity or I think life experiences, um, just from recency bias. Like I really do feel, t you know, we uh, just did our episode of Oxenfree, the game's cast like, review of it. And I feel really connected to um, Riley in a lot of ways. And, and in the first game, Alex, just sure. the interpersonal relationships they had with like, you know, her brother in the first game, and then this character's sort of uh, familiar relationships. I think in terms of if we think of more of like a sociological background, that does get a little bit tougher. You know, um, I have a lot of uh, different identities I associate with, you know, as someone who's Latin, as someone who's bisexual, like, there's a lot of things you can pull on there. And it was, um, I think, really cool seeing parts of how far are we into spoilers for the dlc for aloy that's the thing you know we are like, ready to go if you, ladies and gentlemen you okay, should have played burning so, shores you know, by now and if not i'm sure you've seen a headline about yeah, this i think the the queerness in a lot of um characters that we've seen recently with you know aloy you know from the nidog side with last of us is always just refreshing and heartwarming to see and i think those parts definitely click with me and um being able to have you know Gayloy be revealed as which was my first thought when I saw Aloy. I was like, oh Gayloy confirmed this is cool. Like that is something that is, you know, really exciting to see just because you can get that sort of other interpersonal angle to it. So for me, it's more so, you know, I think of this question of characters I connect to, I think of the characters whose life experiences and interactions have resonated with me, whether it's a way that they carry themselves or in marginalized identity that they may share with myself you know there's so many ways to kind of look at it and i think that's what's cool about having that wide variety because the more that you dig into different facets of, of life of sociological stuff the more you can reach different people in different ways but greg what about you what characters really like stand out to you well you know as a 40-year-old white guy, we're just really underrepresented. No, uh, <laughs> I'm not even going that route with it, right? When I you know, got the question from Katie, and I'm glad, Katie, by the way, that you see yourself in Aloy. I'm glad that that happens. You know, We talk all the time about it's not that I think we don't like Aloy on the show. Usually the conversations are we just wish she put herself out there more, and I think Burning Shores did such a great job of that, of having her actually wrestle with concepts and have conversations and try to, you know, let us into what was going on in her head. Whereas I thought the first two games weren't great at that as they tried to give you a more character to push yourself onto. 
my choice is a weird one, I think, on surface, but if you let me explain, it makes more sense. And then also talks about why the game resonates so so much with me. But I would go with Gone Home. I would go with Gone Home, and I would go with Samantha, uh, the character who, of course, is not the main character. She's the main st- character in the story that we're learning. Of course, you play Gone Home. You're Katie Greenbrier. You're walking through your family's house. No one's there. There's a cryptic note from Sam on the door, and you find other notes and pieces of things, and you piece together the story of what has gone on while you've been away. And of course, spoilers for Gone Home. This is an old game, and it's a game I've told you for decade. I feel like, now to play. Uh, it's a story basically of you think it's going to be a haunted house game. You think it's going to be a big scary thing, but as you play through and find all these notes, you really find out that it's about Samantha discovering her sexuality, discovering that she's in love with her best friend, Lonnie. And then, you know, the, the journey that they go on together and what that's like. And while I am not gay and I, you know, did not ever have to wrestle with the themes of sexuality in this, what I think so resonant, what resonates with me so much from it is the thoughts and opinions and feelings of love in it where Sam does go through this and she does have that feeling of like, well, there's no way Lonnie feels the same way about me. And then to have Lonnie reciprocate those feelings and to talk about them, you know, and their young love and this, that, the other, and like, like that's why that game works with me. That's why that game, I, I can project myself into there. Right. It's that feeling of like, Oh, I've been in love like that. I am in love like that. Right. Where it is all about my wife. And you know, here we are years later and I'm still like, I, I can't get enough of her. And so to see that, uh, I think in a way that is the, what the definition of love should be and what it is to see them go through that. And then to pair it also with, if you remove, you know, obviously uh, gender or sexuality from it, it's the fact that I think Sam's house feels so much like so many of the houses I grew up in, right? Like there's so much of her friend, there's a friendship in there based on playing uh, uh, SNES, right? And so you're going around and finding those games and those cartridges and then there's notes like she's in school at the same time period I would have been in school. And so the conversations she's having about school or dyeing her hair or doing these things, it's like, and also that there is that part of the story, which is growing up but still being a child you know being between the that tween space into that teen space but not being adult but feeling like it and pushing and pulling and like i remember that and like being in her Mm -hmm. bedroom and like the things you did or loved as a little kid right a seven-year-old on the wall still but you're now 17 18 whatever she is in the game or whatever like there's something so real about that and again such a great time capsule of growing up in that early 90s mid you know mid 90s there that just for me is why that game's so special to me for a number of other reasons, but that's me. Abby, what about you, seeing as how you're making a game that's all about your experience? Yeah, um, I think um, I was thinking about how to answer this question, and I think I often, you know, um, for me, it's about not the aesthetic of the character or maybe, mm-hmm. like, they don't even share the identity that I do, but, like, if it's the motivations that I really connect with. Um, and I, I really like it when developers play with that um and i think i think an example for that i think is uh um the first last of us where um towards the end uh uh is this getting into spoilers yes, we're spoiling the last of- you think- <laughs> Bobby, you're as on- long as you as long as you say like hey just quit you know as long as you say it it's fine this, it is, okay. a decade. this is the playstation show you can't even you're here you don't know the end of the it's last it's never of us. too late you know yeah. pause this episode finish the game come back it's all part of the shared universe but no you're you're fine and, and fair to go ahead awesome yeah so in the part one um you know in the hospital scene when joel finds out what they're about to do uh, and i'm put in joel's shoes uh, and it's the, this kind of really adrenaline 
charge sequence where I'm gunning down people and all of that to like save Ellie. Um, and back when I played it, I really was like, yeah, I have to because you know I've spent this whole journey uh, with this person, and I could really relate uh, to that moment. But then I really liked it when in the final moments of the game, you are put in Ellie's perspective mm. um, and the camera pulls back and it almost, you view Joel from another perspective and you view him as this old man and, you know, and then you realize it's kind of crazy what, what you did, um, you know, and <laughs> the fact that I, I can connect to both of them uh, no. in like within a span of, you know, 15, 20 minutes, uh, I think is fantastic. So I, yeah. I just love, love it when games do things like that. For sure. Well, Katie G, again, thanks for that writing. Great job. Remember to have your PSN message read on PSI Love You XOXO. Go to kindoffunny.com slash PSILY for free to be part of the show. But I digress. It's time for topic of the show. Avi, you're doing something we've never done on Kind of Funny, and I'm pretty excited about it. Like I said, I don't know why I'm, I'm, I'm re-explaining in case you jumped to the middle of the episode, listener. Uh, but the idea, right, is that how many times that you've gone, how many people have seen the presentation you're about to give? Because you've done it to, the, to all the big wigs, the IGNs, the game spots, all of them, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, I think um, a bunch of different press people, uh, but I think it was just two days ago. Um, okay. and, I'm, and I'm super excited to do it here. Uh, just kn- knowing the nature and the format of the show, uh, I also have some slides that were not there in the previous presentation. Ooh. Exclusive. Exclusive slides? I guess that's uh, another yeah. thing to point out that I skipped over in the front. Like, you are a true blue kind of funny best friend. Like, you yes. have been consuming Greg Miller content far longer than you ever should have. And yes. you, you, when you came through and did the GDC stream and stuff, you were, like, flipping out a little bit to be here. So it's obviously yes. thank you for caring about us. Congratulations on making it big. But kind of funny best friends get this game <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you yes 100 percent. i've been uh watching uh greg's content from uh uh from a young age and uh it's uh it's been fantastic I, like it's a dream come true for me to be here for sure all right well i'm excited uh i guess we're, we're turning it over to you uh, so when you give what like if, if we were sitting in on the the presentation do you take questions throughout or do you only do questions at the very end should we how, we can you can definitely have questions throughout. Like it can just be a conversation, and we can just talk about the game as we go. Okay, sounds great. Well, then, all right, the the show is yours. Give me your presentation. Yeah. Um. So, I'll just give you a rundown of like how like normally for people who don't know press previews, uh, somebody plays the, the demo or a game and they show off different parts. But for Venba, uh, I'm I wanted to give like an unorthodox press preview, and the reason for that is I think. The development behind Benpa, because it's such a, a a strange game, also required uh, us to be unorthodox, and I thought it would be cool uh, to show some of that. And uh, so, so I'll definitely talk about the game and stuff, but also talk about like what goes behind the game. Sure. Um, so starting with wait, hold on, I uh, forgot all the way. from oh. the very top. I screwed up right because I was supposed to say, of course, you're watching this just like we would have. It's being put through Discord, which is then being recorded. So obviously, you're getting a dip in quality if you're a, a person on YouTube watching and stuff like that. So stick with us and then go watch the. You know, they have a bunch of trailers out. You can go watch to see what it looks like in super clear HD. <laughs> Um, so I'll start with this actually. Um, so this is in Venba. Um, so what is this? This is, um, so I think when we get into how games are made, um, almost every game development story starts with another game. And this is that game for us. Um, and, uh, this is a game called Balloon Man. Uh, it's about a depressed superhero whose only power is that he can make balloons, uh, in a world of superheroes. Um, so his job is to like, 
go attend a kid's birthday party, you know, and make balloons for them instead of saving the world. Uh-huh. Um, and this is the kind of game we were making. It was supposed to be, if you if you could recognize the opening shot in the last one was like a, a Mega Man style homage. Sure. And this was meant to be like a Mega Man kind of boss runner where you take down uh, actual superheroes with like balloons and everything, right? And, th- <laughs> and this is what we were working on for about a year. Um, me and Sam, uh, the art director on the game, and uh, that's when I had the idea uh, for Venba. Um, and I texted him uh, like a very small passage about about a, about a scene that that has made it to the game. Uh, and immediately we just couldn't. Um, uh, we had to stop working on Balloon Man. We like we deliberated for like two weeks, but. Uh, we had to let that idea go because we were just flushed with ideas and a lot of excitement uh, for Venba. And um, so, what is Venba for? You know, for people who don't know, um, it's a narrative cooking game, um, and it's where you play as a immigrant Indian mother who moves to Canada in the late 18, 1980s and she starts a family. Um, and in this game, um, it's about the story of this family uh, and specifically how they change and grow in this new environment they're in and what challenges that brings them. Uh, but also it focuses mainly on the relationship between Venba and her son, Coven, um, and how him rapidly assimilating as he grows up here uh, puts a strain on that. Um, eventually, food becomes the only bridge uh, that remains between these two characters. So I thought it would be interesting to use food uh, to tell the story and explore the mechanics. Is that what you originally pitched, Sam? Like you're talking about, like you, like. Yes, uh, yes. It's it's a bit crazy how similar the game is to those few lines that I pitched him. Uh, but essentially, yeah. There's uh, I described a scene where there is cooking involved and uh, something happens before and after. Um, and uh, that's that scene has pretty much made ninety five percent of it has made made it into the game. Yeah. Nice. Um. So when I say it's a narrative cooking game, it's like split into two halves. Um, So this is the narrative half. This is what it looks like. It plays very much uh, like a visual novel, uh, but it's also meant to be a cinematic experience. Um, So it's very dynamic with its camera movements, montages. And and for me, what I was going for here uh, is for the players to feel like they're watching a Tamar movie, uh, which is what Venba draws a lot of inspiration from. Um, and the goal of these scenes, apart from the storytelling and the characters, is to give the players a reason uh, to cook and contextualize the recipe and what it means uh, for the family to cook that certain dish uh, in this story. Um, so let me give you an example of that in the sample scene. Um, this is one small section um, where there's a conversation within the family and uh, you know, Venba wants to celebrate her son, Coven, who's done really well at school uh, at his English test. And she wants to celebrate by cooking him something um, special. But Kevin, you know, he's a six-year-old kid um, and he immediately jumps to wanting pizza, right? Um, yeah. So that would normally be fine, but Venba is already worried about how quickly he's assimilating and that he's refusing to speak Tamar at home. So for her, this is an opportunity to sell him on Tamar cuisine, right? So. But Kevin is still stubborn. He's still a kid and he still wants pizza. Uh, but since she's a teacher and she has a lot of experience working with kids, she tries a different approach. Uh, she tells him about this dish called puttu. Um, and she says that making it is like launching a rocket. Um, and this really gets Kevin's curiosity up. And uh, she even starts applying a bit of reverse psychology. 
Uh, and she says that if you order a pizza, you get a cardboard box. Uh, <laughs> but if you <laughs> if you make puttu, uh, you get to launch a rocket. Um, so no this, brainer. This, no brainer. <laughs> <laughs> so this ends up working. And um, yeah, so the entire family uh, decides to make uh, puttu together. Um, so this is one example of how the narrative leads to the, the cooking. Um, and before I show how the cooking gameplay works, uh, I also wanted to talk about our approach to cooking gameplay. Uh, when I decided that I wanted to make a narrative cooking game, I researched a bunch of different cooking games out there, like Cooking Mama, Overcooked, and um, a bunch of others. And the way they focused on um, their gameplay was it was focused on the timing, the actions, and the mechanics. It was very much like uh, the mini games and everything. Sure. Uh, uh, but for me, I wanted to focus on the recipe steps itself. Um, keenly, I wanted the players to think about why the recipe steps are the way they are. And if they don't follow that, well, like what happens, right? Um, especially because it's about a cuisine that they haven't known before. And I feel like if they learn it through a puzzle, they might know uh, they might know it more intuitively than if it's just following instructions. Um, and for that, we came up with this premise of a damaged recipe book. Uh, and the idea is that when Buzz's mother has given her a recipe book that she carries from uh, India to Canada, but it gets damaged in the travel. Um, so all these recipes that the player sees in the game, they're only half legible, half of it is torn, or there are stains and things like that. Um, and the rest of the instructions, the players have to figure out and put together themselves. Um, and I think this fits the theme of the game a lot more. Uh, uh, because the whole thing is about, you know, holding on to your culture and its importance in a new environment. Um, and I think the recipe book is just a, a giant metaphor for all of that. Um, so well, can I pop in or you before you hit play? Yeah, play, yeah, play. yeah, go for so it. So my yeah. question on that is like, how do you balance the fun and discoverability versus the frustration of failing? Right. Like, cause it's, it can be, you know, are there fail states in the game? Like, am I getting yelled at by my kid for not making the food right? Do I get a game over? And then if I just want to keep going and get back to the story, how do you do all that? Yeah. So I'm, I'm really, really, really glad you asked that question at the exact time. Uh, because I oh. think this, this like covers it. Oh, uh, sorry. My apologies. Really like, maybe no, you no, should no. just do the demo and I don't talk at all. Sorry. No, no, no. Uh, no I, like when this happens in real life, I'm like, I'm just going to sit here. Cause like, I'm not about to be like, Oh, like what's this? Like, no, yeah, no. I mean, I wouldn't have, this even is the real experience though. No. <laughs> no, I mean, I wouldn't have explained this slide in the way, uh, until you had asked this question, uh, is what I mean. Right. I, I was going to talk it. about this. Exclusive. Yeah. Exclusive. <laughs> Uh, um, no, but I think, um, yeah, approachability was a huge challenge for us, even not even for, uh, people who, who are familiar with these dishes, but, um, even back home, there are people who don't cook, right. And they have a hard time with these things. And it's always fun to see people who cook and their instincts and people who don't cook. Um, and, uh, one time it was so hard that it was very frustrating. And another time it was so, uh, like we had a chef consultant friend of ours and I, gave her a level to play test and you know she saw this viewport of like the recipe and she didn't even play the game she just said oh okay these are the missing blacks like she just solved it like that because she knows the recipe so well um so it was really hard to take balance for the knowledge that players might have outside the game also uh and the way we did that is instead of making the puzzles necessarily about the recipe measurements or like the ingredients itself we approach more like a toy like thing and you can you can see that here um so here's there's like a song playing and you have to like put put these uh recipe together 
just assembling it, you know, assembling this dish that they've never seen before, this utensil they've never seen before, that itself feels like a toy. Um, and here they're building the rocket thing, and I'll show you how uh, the failure state looks like. But it's very forgiving, and it's uh, it understands that cooking is a lot of trial and error. Um, and you can always ask for help. You can just ask Venva and be like, hey, how do I do this? And she'll just give you the answer if you want. Um, but here, I'll show you how failure looks like. So here, um, they're telling Coven it's time to launch the rocket, but the order that they have the ingredients in is wrong. So it just crumbles. They get all upset. Uh, but- <laughs> you ruined his day. <laughs> <laughs> but you can try again. And um, this is what the success looks like. So that's the idea we have for the game. And that's what I mean by the dish you cook is contextualized in the game itself. Um, and even re- the success and failure is also contextualized. But it's not its not meant to be high pressure. Um, it's not like you ruined. Uh, you know, the day is ruined because uh, you didn't get it right. You just try again. Um, and, um, and, and to touch upon your question about, like, what other mechanics um, or, like, how did we approach it? Um, instead of just cooking, like, every level we try to do something uh, novel. Uh, so, for example, in this level, the recipe book is completely, like, the page is completely torn. Um, so Benba is making biryani in this level, and she has to rely on the narrative, uh, the visual cues of her memory uh, okay. that she has from the time when she made biryani with her mom. And now she's making it for her son, right? Um, so... That way, like this one is when you play as Coven instead <laughs> uh, in a much, much later level. And here the challenges becomes about the recipe is actually legible. The whole recipe is legible, but it's in Tamar. And Coven um, cannot read or speak Tamar fluently. So he mistranslates the recipe. He, um, you know, he only translates partially. Uh, so that becomes a challenge. And so in each level, we try to make the mechanic um something that's related to what's happening in the story also so that there's that connection got it um and another way to we do that is um so for example you can see here on the top left you can see the idli level which is the first level that players play uh and that happens in the 1980s um but the biryani level in the bottom right that happens in 2006 right so every level time skips forward quite a bit uh and you can see kevin grow up uh you know go off to university and all of those things um, but if you notice, um, the ingredients you have for Italy is very simple and it makes sense as, as because it's a first level. Uh, but it also makes sense for another reason. And it's that, uh, in the 1980s, it was the community here in Toronto, Scarborough. Um, uh, it wasn't as easy to find these ingredients, uh, all these specialty seeds and spices that you would need, uh, to make something like biryani. Um, so that's also something we took into account. And for each level, we make, we try to think about, does it make sense to cook this dish uh, during this oh, that's time period? Yeah. Um, and just like we use um, things in gameplay to tell the story, in the narrative section, we use things other than text uh, to tell the story. So uh, right off the bat, this game uses like different text colors to differentiate languages. And uh, it uses yellow for English and white for uh, Dumber. Um, and if you... If Gavin speaks in English, his text speed is a lot faster um, than if he speaks in Tamar. And it's the reverse is true for uh, Benba. And in this scene, it really comes to life because um, they're worried about Pavel and the, the dad not coming home. Um, so Coven is playing translator for Benba and Pavlin's boss, essentially. So um, 
And here, I think you can see somewhere here um, that sometimes when he speaks in English, his, his dialogue bubble is like uh, punched and blurred. Um, and this works, this is kind of a, a nod to how the recipe books are smudged and blurred. Uh, so for Benba, when Kevin speaks in English uh, really fluently, it's sometimes hard to understand, uh -huh. uh, which is which is a reality in a lot of our immigrant families' houses where the first-generation immigrants, um, especially the ones who came um, later in their lives, didn't have a chance uh, to become that familiar with this language. Um, and we want to tie it back to the whole themes of loss of language and culture and all of that. Um, so that's pretty much how the, the game works. Uh, next, I just wanted to talk about like what bringing this idea to life was like. Um, and so I want to start with the food first. This is a, this is a map of India and all the way in the South, the red state that you see, uh, that's Tamar Nadu and that's where I'm from and that's where Venba is from. Uh, but internationally, when you think about Indian food, you probably might not, these dishes might not come to your mind. Uh, there might be things like butter chicken, naan, and tanduri uh, that I love too, but uh, that's probably more prevalent. And But that's actually not something I ate growing up. And uh, I only started eating more of that after I came to Canada. Um, growing up in Tamar Nadu, this, these are the dishes that I had uh, growing up. And this is something that I was very, very excited about showing off properly at uh, for Venba for the first time. Um, but th that also meant that you know, there's a lot of pressure here because we have to make sure that we show it uh, with a lot of accuracy and authenticity, but at the same time, ensure that the puzzles are, you know, good and everything, right? Yeah. So we came up with a rule for that. And every dish we feature um, in the game, the team will have to cook multiple times in <laughs> real life before. <laughs> um, so, so it's like a Hell's Kitchen game dev crossover. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's fucking and raw. It's not in the game. <laughs> Get it out of here. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I mean by the the development process for Wimba was very unorthodox. Because uh, and this happened during the the idea was that I would cook for the entire team and um, and then we would eat it, we would discuss it, and then we'll start making the level. But that's when the pandemic happened. So ah. um, instead, I started cooking at home myself, and then I would photograph everything. Um, so. On the left here, you can see me making putu, and then on the right here, you can see uh, the the how it looks in the game, and like the utensils that are pretty much a one to one conversion. And because the art is stylized, it was very useful for Sam to have have these references. Um, and I can send like a video or something, but artists have a bunch of questions like, how does the floor consistency feel like? How does it you know how does it fall and all these things, right? Um, and it, you can't answer them un unless you make it yourself and make it recently and you have all these kind of references to show them. Um, and even as a designer for me, it was very helpful to understand as I was making this recipe, which parts were crucial to it and which parts are okay to like skim over or like skip or like sure. say that, yeah. Um, and I think this process, um, when we did that, we documented every single step, like, uh, oh, we added this in. Okay, let's take a photograph, you know, like that. Um, and it's because every recipe is also different and personal. Um, so if I send them like a YouTube link for a recipe, they might not add the exact same ingredients that I do. Um, so it was important that we capture what it looks like. And and also it's important to see if the recipe makes sense. Because if I make it and then I eat it and it's not good, then I don't, I don't want to show that in the game, right? Um, but 
here you can see on the left, uh, it's the prep for biryani uh, on the ingredients and on the right. You can almost draw a line from one to one. Um, and this is what I mean by this process is lending us a lot of authenticity. This is accurate enough that one time, and this happened by chance, one time uh, a coworker asked me uh, for a list of ingredients to buy for biryani. And I just happened to have the biryani level open at the time in my in my Unity game engine. Uh, and without even thinking about it, I just started like uh, listing off the things I saw in the level. Um, and it's only later that it struck me that it's really cool that I was able to do, do that because we were we were committing to that level of accuracy. Um, and finally, here's how the final biryani that we made uh, together shows up. Uh, here it is on the left and here it is on the right. Uh, and one thing about cooking games or cooking in media is that you want the, the food to look really good and uh, appetizing and, you know, all of those like Studio Ghibli kind of things, right? Yeah. Um, but I realized that if you haven't actually had these dishes, uh, it's hard to know what's appetizing about it. Uh, because like like now, okay, when you cook a steak, uh, and if you cook steak a bunch of times, you start get, getting excited when you see that crust, you know, when you see that um, it's all coming together, uh, or when you see someone like butter basting it or something, because you know, like what it, what it does to the food, right? And when it comes to your plate, if you have had bad steaks, and you have had good steaks, even visually, you can start to tell, okay, that's something I'm getting excited for. Um, and like each dish has its own specific markers, right? Um, but if you haven't had it before, you might not know. So um, it was really useful for the team to see me getting excited when I was cooking uh, these dishes and seeing what I was getting excited for. Um, and then they were able to like translate that into the into the final. Game. So sticking with that, I have a bunch of different questions. I feel like we're going to get through the whole presentation. Then I want to do an ad break. Then we're going to come back and ask you a bunch of questions. But one question I ask you here is like, did you have to learn what would happen if you made it wrong? You know what I mean? I feel like if I was making a game based on the foods I love to make... I could tell you how to make it and what it should look like, but I wouldn't be like, well, what if you screwed this up? Did you go through and leave things out and then, oh, it does this, it does that? Right. Uh, I think the closest thing we did that we did to that is, a, is that we also consulted with a bunch of chefs, right? Mm -hmm. um, and what they were able to give us is like, okay, if you miss this step or if you don't show the step properly, um, this is what might end up happening. And this is why they were able to explain the, explain the process behind it, like really really well down to a science. Gotcha. And they're like, okay, if you don't add the yogurt at this step exactly, uh, this is what will happen. And uh, uh, and there's a lot of that. We show that in a, like, this is not a cooking simulator, right? Um, so, but it is it is a cooking game. Um, so we show that like in subtle ways. Uh, for example, if you add, uh, in biryani, there's a puzzle where um, if you add ingredients to the wrong order, they won't get the final color that they should be getting going gotcha. for. And there's like a very good reason behind that and all of that. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, back to your, I'm sorry, back to your presentation. Back yeah, yeah, no worries. Yeah, thank you. Well, hold, um, no, Janet, we'll hold questions till the end now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so apart from that, apart from recreating these dishes, recreating the uh, recipes properly, uh, another crucial, crucial part is emulating in the kitchen. Uh, was making the players feel like they've stepped into our kitchens is capturing the sounds properly. Um, and this is actually our sound designer, Neha. Uh, she's frying uh, a bunch of mustard seeds so she can uh, um, capture the sounds of it. And like crackling mustard seeds is like how a lot of our dishes start. Um, and uh, she is actually from the north side of uh, India. Uh, so she's not familiar with a lot of these recipes. 
but she went she like made it her job to like capture it very accurately like she got ingredients or she got like new utensils she borrowed <laughs> uh things that she didn't have uh, and she cooked it all herself uh she's all the way in montreal we're in toronto but she cooked it uh, all the way there uh to make sure that we capture these sounds properly and like uh i i do want to stress that we didn't just do foley because oh it's cool that we did foley or like we did live uh sound it's more so that uh these sounds are so specific uh, and there's not really sound libraries that we can work to recreate that with. Um, so Neha felt like really strongly that she had to capture them um, live. And I think she did a really fantastic job. Um, here you can see um, like a side by side. On the left is the game and on the right is the uh, the yeah. recording from Neha. Um, and she, this is so good that I can just lay it over the video like without even editing and it just works <laughs> um so i think it, it makes a real difference uh when you take this effort so i'm really happy that she did that the other side of things um is that i realized that when we cook at our homes it's never quiet um the tv's on and the radio's on or you know music is on and something's always going on um Cooking in silence is is not something that happens, right? And that's also something, and that's just another window into our culture. Um, and I wanted to use that opportunity to show what our music sounds like and all of that, right? Um, and for that, uh, the the composer for our game, uh, Alpha Something, um, he decided to craft a very unique soundtrack. And it's unique because uh, the game starts at the 1980s and it goes all the way to like uh, 2016. Um, and he wanted to create songs that if you turn on the radio at the time, it sounds like a song you would hear in the 1980s, a song that you'd hear in the 2000s. Uh, so e each song pays an homage to a different music composer, a specific music composer. Uh, and it's, we made it like sound like his song, but at the same time, you know, we took our own um, uh, take on it. And uh, this led to a very, very cool moment towards the end of the project where uh, for one of the songs, actually the level that I showed you with the, with the rocket, uh, launch. Um, we asked a music director to sing in the song, and it was the same song that was an homage to him. And he's like seventy six. He's like a legend. Oh my god! Uh, and we never thought he would say yes, but he did. And uh, um, the fact that he's singing in a song that's an homage to him, uh, I think there's a lot of cool things that happen in the Venba development, but uh, that's one of the the coolest uh, for me personally. Um, and then um, so because these are meant to like mimic. Uh, film soundtracks. This is what Benba's production process, like music production process, looks like. Um, and I feel like live music um, or like orchestra music is like very rare for games, but it's even rarer for indie games. I was gonna say, um, yeah, if you're if you're an audio <laughs> listener, what we're watching is a video of a bunch of classically trained orchestra folks here in a room just playing <laughs> yeah you don't see that for indie games usually <laughs> yeah uh but this is just something we had to do because um like every uh for example this flute this band flute is very famous uh because one music director he really likes using it so to capture that sound we just needed it and uh, alpha something he reached out to like artists across the world uh during the pandemic to record uh these things and uh, the music is something i'm really really happy about um, I can keep talking about the music, so I'll leave it in one last note, is that in one specific level, the game plays very, very differently. Um, and in that level, um, the song that plays from the radio, you're making a, like a montage of different dishes. 
um, and the song that plays from the radio is actually describing the recipe for the dish you make as you make it. Um, and it's time so that the line that you hear is actually describing the exact action you're taking also. Um, and the idea for that was that the player and the and the game together, they're creating like this interactive music video almost, uh, which is just another thing like Tamil movies do a lot. Uh, and that's something I wanted to reference. Um, and in case it's not clear, um, like Tamil movies are like part of Benba's DNA at this point. Like they are a huge, huge inspiration. Um, and I was very heavily inspired by it. And there's a bunch of like subtle and not so subtle references through, uh, to like different movies and different scenes throughout the entire game. Um, for example, the Puttu scene we saw, that's that's from a comedic scene that I just, uh, I couldn't like not reference uh, when we were making Puttu. So, uh, so game's a rip off. Yeah, and I think uh, one thing one thing that like really bugs me is that when people see the dad character, they say he looks like uh, Dave Patel, but he's meant to look like uh, the South Indian superstar right from the beginning. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's what we went for uh, from the scratch. Awesome. Uh, and I say all of this because, um, you know, for the last three years when I was making Manba, I would, I would message the team like, hey, wouldn't it be really cool if we did this? Uh, and they would be really patient. But, you know, most of them are not, uh, they, you know, they don't watch the movies and, you know, they're not from there. But they've been very patient. They understood why it was cool for me. Um, and uh, they, went for, they went for it to make it happen. But I, I used to wonder, like, how many players are actually going to get this? Uh, because the actual gaming audience in India is very developing. And three years ago, it, it's not what it is now. Um, and even right now, the Nintendo Switch is not available uh, for purchase in Indi- India officially. So I was wondering, maybe like, you know, 10 years from now or five years from now, uh, when the gaming market, when it releases over there, they'll see it and, you know, maybe they'll find it. And I, I'm curious to know what they think. Uh, but... This is a very serendipitous moment for me because um, about one month ago we released the Italy demo, and there's just been an explosion of. I'm I'm finding out for the first time how big the scene is uh, because they've they've all covered uh, the game and they're very excited about it. They're catching as soon as they heard the song, they're like, "Oh, this sounds like that music character." Like they're catching everything that That's we, awesome. <laughs> we wanted them to catch. Um, and here you can see, like in the top left, uh, like the demo is short, right? The whole game is short. Uh, the demo is like 15 to 20 minutes long, and they're making like one hour, two hour videos about it. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm super super happy about that. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, basically, like I think Venba is a very odd game to make, but uh, the reception so far and like how everybody's been excited for it, how you've been excited for it. Uh, has made me think that it's not so weird to make. And uh, yeah, so I'm really grateful for that. And I hope that you all enjoy it too when it comes out on the 31st. Thank you. Great <laughs> presentation. <laughs> like, like a PR person comes in. Like, it, does all right, yeah, all right. remember the embargo is Monday at 8 a.m. Uh, we'll send you an assets link soon. You know, yeah. re- Review code will be coming out soon. Uh, I have so many questions, and I know Janet does too, Abby. But before then, let me remind you that you're only seeing this, ladies and gentlemen, because of Patreon.com slash KindaFunny. Over on Patreon.com slash KindaFunny, you can toss us a few bucks and usually get to watch us record the show a day before a post anywhere else. Get it ad-free, and of course, get a bevy of bonus content. All sorts of exclusive shows that are only on Patreon.com slash KindaFunny. But 
The whole ad-free thing is what's most important for right now because since you're not on patreon.com slash kindoffunny, here's a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Liquid IV. Y'all know how much I love to stay hydrated and Liquid IV makes it easier and better than ever to ensure that I'm always living my best, most hydrated life. And you can too. Liquid IV, the number one powered hydration brand in America is now available in sugar-free with three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, plus eight vitamins and nutrients for everyday wellness. Liquid IV hydrates two times faster than water alone. And you can keep your daily routine exciting with three new flavors white peach green grape and lemon lime let me tell you the white peach is good it's real good we hear it kind of funny swear by this stuff one stick of liquid iv in 16 ounces of water hydrates you two times faster and more efficiently than water alone real people real flavor real hydrating now sugar-free grab your liquid iv hydration multiplayer sugar-free in bulk nationwide at costco or get 20 percent off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code kind of funny at checkout that's 20 percent off anything you order when you use promo code kind of funny at liquidiv.com. So, Abby, my question yeah. to start all of this off talk to, when you are going through this and doing this, you talk so much about the authenticity you guys are, are working on this and how much you're putting into it and what you're trying to get right. It, it was the pressure, has it changed over? Has it dawned on you? That I think you went, I would imagine the pressure to get it right is because you want to represent your culture. You want to represent this. You know, people who know the culture would call you out on it and be all these different things. Has it dawned on you or has it resonated with you that so many people are going to play this and you are going to be the first, you're going to be the introduction of your culture to them? Like, is that, is that pressure past the authenticity threshold now? Not until right now. No, I'm just, yes, I had that, <laughs> I had that pressure. Yes. Uh, I think more and more, like when it started, it was a very small, uh, project, right? It was like, oh, Sam and I, Sam, I have the screenshot from Sam. When I pitched it to him, like a week later, he said, oh, this game will take four months to make. <laughs> um, and and uh, like back then, it was meant to be like, we just wanted to make it because we liked the story and we wanted to say it. I was like, it was supposed to be an experience. But um, it started growing and growing. And, uh, and then the reception for it also started growing. And um, Regardless, I, I think I would have still striped for it to be authentic, but I think the responsibility is definitely huge when so many eyes are on it. Um, and I've taken, um, I think the first thing I did was like stop making sure like all of the ideas are coming from me and started reaching out to like consultants and making sure, like have a bunch of different plate, have my mom plate, uh, you know, so that they can see uh, things that I cannot see because uh, there's no way that I can catch everything. Of course. Um, but also one thing that changed mid-development was that, uh, at least in the beginning, I thought of Venba was like, people are going to play this game. And I think some people are still expecting this, uh, is that people are going to play this game and they're going to understand what Tumblr culture is like, what Tumblr cuisine is like. Um, and I got into that sort of mindset where I was like, I have to select like N number of recipes that perfectly represent, uh, you know, the, the cuisine. And that's pretty much impossible because there's so much uh, diversity there. And I was making decisions like selecting recipes that don't make sense for the game just because I'm like, how can I ship a game without without showing this or showing that, right? Um, and I've made peace with that now because I realized that all I can do is like give give a taste, but like I can't, I can be, I can be a representation, but I cannot be representative. Um, and I hope, I hope players get that too, yeah. In line with that, 
you talked, you know, during the presentation about what the game is, you know, uh, first generation, starting a family there, you know, this uh, divide that starts because of language and culture, obviously. But then you talked about you coming to Toronto. So, like, is you're not Cavan, right? That's not like, that's not, you sound <laughs> yeah. like you came here as an adult. It sounds like your first generation. Yeah. So I came here when I was 12 years old, actually. Uh, but I am not Cavan in the sense that, uh, you know, I can still speak in Tamar and watch, I watched a lot of Tamar movies and all of those things. Um, but for me, the inspiration came from, there's so many Tamar communities here and families here. Uh, it's it's coming from the families that I see here, coming from um, like when I would see a kid talk to their mom and they would essentially be talking two different languages and it would be hard for the mom to understand what the kid is saying. Um, that's that that itself is tragic, right? When a parent is not able to understand uh, their child. And that's basically what inspired all of this. Yeah. Janet, what do you got? Um, I got shifting gear. This really is like, it's weird. It's like podcast mode, but it's also like what the presentations are like, where this yeah, is yeah, now what PR would come in and be like, all right, Janet from Pen to Pixels has a question. Yeah. <laughs> you raised your hand in the Zoom call. Exactly. Yeah. yeah that, this is like, so it's, it's like a weird mix. Um, before we start recording, I told Greg, this is take your audience to work day, but like, you know, <laughs> it's kind of a weird blend here, but I love it. Um, one of my questions, and you kind of touched on this, but I just kind of want uh, additional clarification. So can I play this game and like see a recipe and then make it like directly from it? If maybe not fully, like what information might I need to, you know, figure out for myself in real life to make that happen? Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of people are asking for a full-fledged recipe book. Uh, and that is something we're exploring. Uh, that would be cool. Uh, but I think right now in the game, uh, when it launches, my hope, like this, you won't get any bad ideas from what you play, right? Like, like it'll inspire you, hopefully, uh, to make the dish, and it'll give you an idea of what are some of the core aspects mm-hmm. uh, of the dish. Uh, but like in terms of when it, when it's an actual recipe, uh, you need measurements, you need like sure. wait times, and all of those things. Uh, those things, if we do end up going with our recipe book thing, uh, you can get it from there. But otherwise, I would just you know funnel you learn the dish name and just search it up and look it up on YouTube because that's what I did. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. Um, You mentioned it like the demo being short and the game being short. How long is the game? And then how is it structured? Is it like day based? Is it recipe based? Yeah. uh, So I would say right now, if I speed run the game, I can probably beat it a little bit over an hour. Uh, But I think for most players, it might take uh, around two hours. Um, It's definitely a game that you can finish, sit down and finish in one sitting. Um, and for the structure of the idea that I wanted to do with this game is that, um, like to show how things change, like you need something constant to compare against it. And mm-hmm. here the constant thing is the food, right? So, uh, there are key moments in their life when they're cooking something and, um, you just get a glimpse into what their day is like around that dish around that day. Um, and see how the relationship to the food, the culture, and everything changes. Um, yeah. Nice. Um, it so, sounds like, obviously, you put real quick, you know, a lot of uh, detail and thought into it. Like, I think things like having the music be available and just really thinking, like, what could create an immersive experience and kind of put you in that moment. So um, I, I that aspect really stands out to me. But I'm curious to know from you, what to you is the 
best part of Venba or one of the best aspects of Venba? And then what's one aspect where you feel like there's room for growth, you know, either in the game itself or for y'all as a studio? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I would say I'm really, really proud about uh, the music for sure. Um, like the way it's turned out, I think it's really, really good. It's essentially a soundtrack for a Tumblr movie. And uh, it's really cool that uh, we got to do that. Uh, in terms of rooms for growth, there's so much. Uh, uh, like, what I would want more than anything is is a game to come from a team that's actually from Tamil Nadu to make this make a cooking game uh, that makes Venba irrelevant in the future. And I, and I would love that. Um, and I want like many such games to come like that. But uh, in terms of what we wanted to, there's just more. There's always more we can do, right? Uh, more dishes, more more story, and everything. But at DLC. the end of the day. DLC, indeed. Uh, <laughs> but a second of- helping. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but at the end of the day, I think we're happy. Uh, like, Menba also means, like, the name Menba, it also means a poem, uh, like a haiku. Um, and it's meant to be, like, a short poem, a short experience that you uh, get. And uh, for in that angle, I'm really happy with what we did. Yeah. All right, so you keep coming up and saying, you know, short poem, short experience, you know, you can speed run in an hour, normal player will be two hours. I assume there's replayability. There's things to go through and stuff. Maybe you missed or screwed up or whatever. Mm-hmm. Have you heard about PlayStation platinum trophies? Cause a lot of times PlayStation doesn't want indie games to have them. They send you the list and say, make us trophies and they don't include a platinum trophy. And so people don't include the platinum trophy. And then I get mad on the show. Does your game have a platinum trophy? We have a platinum trophy. Yes. What I like yes. to hear. Is it gonna be is it gonna be hard? Is it gonna be annoying? Do I have to do something crazy? What's the, is it gonna be fun? Is it gonna be good? It's gonna be uh it's not gonna be hard. You don't have to like collect, you know, all the Korok seeds or something. Sure, sure, sure. Or, or, <laughs> so um, hard left turn if if you did, right? Yeah. I, I just thought about what I would wanna do for a platinum trophy and that's what I did. And like I'm not okay. a trophy hunter person. Beautiful. Uh, that sounds great. So yeah. <laughs> You're crushing it right now. What an answer. I appreciate that. <laughs> and then I know obviously you've been making the game, now you've been already promoting the game. This is at at best I think this is be something you should do because it'll be cool. At at the lowest thing is just for me. Is there a Spotify playlist you've made of like music inspirations? Because I would love to listen to that. Oh, that's a really good idea. See? Oh my god, that's a really good idea. That's, okay. your, that's your afternoon, right? You do that the rest of the afternoon. Then yeah. you message Cancel it to all me. your other appointments and just have over to Spotify. You go, yeah. you do that. You have yeah. one. This goes up, this goes up on Monday. You do that, yeah. and we will yeah. then in the future, future Greg will make kindoffunny.com slash Venba music, and then people can go there and they'll get dropped into it. Oh my god, that would be amazing. But I, if you I'll don't do just... it, then it just goes to this podcast. <laughs> Either way, go to kindofunny.com. Yeah, exactly. This is a time something. capsule for you. Is it, what is kindofunny.com slash Venba Music go to? Yeah. Find out. Yeah, yeah. That's what awesome. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that's such a good idea. I'll definitely do that. Yeah. That's what I'm here for. I got great ideas. A lot of people yeah. say I don't, but it's I It's just going to be my personal playlist. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I'll do it. Yeah. Your solo career. Yeah. Yeah. Case, the case of Venba thing doesn't check out. But no, but um, is this your last, like, press preview presentation or do you have like yes yes this is my last one yeah i'm gonna wind down after this it's been nice uh i think i have a couple small interviews and uh things lined up but uh yeah Uh, i was nervous about this but you know this has gone really really well yeah i'm curious to know because i never this is like behind the scenes stuff that you normally don't ask because there's nothing to do with the game you know it's just like um but i'm curious to know have 
in what ways, if any, have you adjusted your presentation over time as you've given it? Like, I know you've only kind of done it a few times because mm-hmm. usually in these things, it's like a mass group, right? Maybe it's like either an outlet, a couple outlets, um, a whole bunch of outlets, and they kind of just set up the things. But, you know, like, how has it adjusted? Is there a common question that people kept asking where you're like, let me just say this at this point to sort of anticipate it? Like, how has that progressed for you over these yeah. days? Um, so I think uh, to give an example with kind of funny, um, I know the audience uh, here is is a diff- like it's not just uh, you two watching; it's also your audience, right? As yeah. opposed to the press preview and everything. And I think uh, you know Greg mentioned that they're all very interested uh, in learning about how uh, games are made, uh, like behind the scenes and things like that, right? So um, the whole balloon man thing I added just for uh, the kind of funny because I Ooh. thought it, it would be interesting. To see that you know games get scrapped, like it, for me, the interesting thing about is that you start with a game like Willem and, and then you end up at a game like Benba. And to me, there it's it's a logical s- sequence of steps, you know. But they're so different when you look at it from the surface level, right? Yeah. Um, so I think in those ways is how, and I've I've you know dug more into like what's going on behind the scenes, what our thought process is. Uh, it's not purely promotion, right? It's also just like a deep dive into our thoughts and mind uh, for this show, yeah. So nice. are we going back to Balloon Man or is that is that past? <laughs> uh, whenever we think about game two, I jokingly suggest like, hey, Balloon Man. Uh, and my team is like, no. But uh, <laughs> the uh, I think uh, with Versailles the games, we came up with like an internal goal or like an internal motto. Uh, like the games we want to make is to tell intimate stories with interesting mechanics. Um, and I think that sums up Venba pretty well. Um, that and... sums up exactly what Janet and I like in games. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and anything we make next, uh, we just want to live up to that. Yeah. Um, do y'all have like what? What if any? Well, I'm sure you have a process in place, like because you know you're a team, right? You like I'm sure you figure this kind of stuff out. But what does that process look like? With you know how far into a game you go? Like you mentioned, you're working on Balloon Man for a while. Like, do y'all have like I know a lot of studios do sort of game jam moments internally? Like, what does that um, process look like before you land on it? And then also, when do you know you for sure have landed on it? Like, is it kind of project dependent? Like with Vemba, it sounds like, you know, we found we had this pitch and it's like we struck gold and we ran with it and there wasn't really maybe as much hesitation. But is that sort of always the case? Like, you just know it. Yeah, so uh, now I'm really glad you asked that question because we actually didn't have any of these processes for Balloon Man or Venba. I was, uh, it was three years ago, so I was 26 when I first started uh, making Venba. And it was just me pitching um, to Sam. And he's like, oh, that sounds like a dope game. Let's make it. It'll take four months. And then we just started. Right? <laughs> uh, there was like very poor planning and all of those things, right? Um, but now uh, I have uh, Sharon Khan uh, as a producer and Tatsuya um, as a code lead. Uh, and they are, uh, you know, working with them, like now is when it's starting to sound like we're more of a formal company. Uh, just to give you a heads up, like I only was able to quit my day job last year, uh, wow. like in April or something. I was just working on Venba part time the whole time. Uh, and, uh, no wonder it took three years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and now for the next game, like there's so many things we're doing so much uh, better. Like we have an ideation process. We're just um, coming up with concepts and ideas. We don't commit do a game before we know for sure. Hey, like one thing I learned about, like before I made Venpa, like any other indie game dev who's trying to break into the industry, it's all about, can I make a game that'll get noticed? You know, yeah. like that's all you're thinking about, right? 
but now what I'm thinking about is, can I make a game that I'll enjoy making for the next three years or four years? Not to say that I definitely enjoyed making Minba clearly, but mm-hmm. it was also very stressful, right? Uh, for sure. Um, and how do we make it stress-free? How do we make it so that, you know, I don't have to work weekends and crunch and all of those things. Um, sure. So that's what we're focusing on. And uh, um, yeah, we have some cool ideas that we're working out, but we're taking it casually. We're going to see how Minba does and, uh, and then decide you, you know, you talk about, you know, uh, usually in India has to worry about discoverability or, you know, breaking out or being noticed, right? Yeah. Or have you steeled yourself that, you know, maybe next time it's not as easy to get noticed? Because it has been that thing with Venba where it's been at the top of my list and Janet's list for so long because the first time we ever saw it, we we're like, oh, my God, the art style is so cool. It's a cooking game. Something's going on with the story. Like, it jumped off, and it really feels like it jumped off the page to a lot of people. Yeah, uh, that's so awesome. The three things he said about the art style, something's going on with the game and it's cooking. Uh, those are the three things that, like whenever I made a trailer or like anything, I was like, I hope these things, these three things are what I think will make it stand out. And I'm, it's so, I'm so happy that he listed it in that exact order. Uh, but I think, uh, yeah, I think the worry has lessened uh, because we have a bit of a following uh, people are interested in what we're about to do next and things like that. Uh, but you never know, right? Uh, it depends on how the game does. But mostly, I think um, the reduced pressure on us to like stand out to like, um, for example, the first ever trailer we put out for Venba, uh, the game there was almost no game in the background. Uh, there was very little. Like we just, you know, it was all held up by tape and everything. Um, <laughs> and uh, but like now we don't we don't have to necessarily do things like that. We can take our time and we can wait uh, until we have something. Um, what I found is that um, people like maybe publishers or like um, they might not immediately get what the game is about. But the players and the, they, like you know you know the adage that I don't know this game is cool, but I don't know if the market is ready for yeah. that kind of thing, right? Uh, but for, to my surprise, it's exactly like you mentioned. It's been, as soon as you saw it, you liked it, um, and you've championed for it. And similarly, I just feel like the players are ready for such a game, uh, and their response and uh, reception to it and their excitement for it has proved uh, that there is. Um, so I, I think that'll happen, hopefully. As long as we make a good game for the next one, I think that'll happen in the next one, too. Well, let's see if you made a good game on this one. <laughs> All right. J- July 31st is right around the corner, but we don't know yeah. yet. It looks great. Yeah, we don't know yet. Yeah. I'm not going to be disappointed. Uh, <laughs> Abby, thank you so much for Brent's sharing. getting the platinum no matter what. So yeah, we're getting the platinum. Platinum sounds like it won't Brent be that bad. your game, and he's still going to be like, I 100% ran this, and if there's extra trophies in the deal, so we'll do that. Cool. That was. Thank you so much for doing this presentation. For everybody here watching PS, I love you, Abby. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so stoked uh, that I'm here. Yeah. Well, as a listener, you know the show is not over. We're moving on to PlayStation Picks. Picks, 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 picks. Uh, the drop this week, even though we're coming to you bright and early on a Monday, uh, things that stood out to me, of course, were Viewfinder, Kill Squad, Frank, and Drake. Those are some games that caught my eye coming out. Uh, Viewfinder, though, I think is the one that kind of jumps off the page at everybody. And in what I like to call a weird time warp, 
I've been playing Viewfinder. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday. The embargo also lifts on Monday, but it's that thing where I think on Games Daily, we're going to do the review roundup and talk about a full-fledged review because I still haven't beat Viewfinder as we record this. Uh, I am making my way right through it right now. If you're an audio listener uh, and you can't see the trailer uh, Barrett pulled up, this is the game that turned all of our heads at SGF, which is a perspective puzzle game, right? First person you go through, you're picking up for photos, uh, you're taking photos, you're placing them, and then you can interact with the environment and get to different areas based on what you've created or found in the environment. Um, I'm making my way through it right now. I'm having a great time with it. Uh, you know, Tim started it before me, and when we were talking, he was like, there's so many portal moments where I'm having, I can't believe this is happening. Oh, my God, they did that. I haven't had that level of, oh, my God, which, I mean, come on, portal. We're talking about one of the greatest games of all time. But I am thoroughly enjoying myself, and as many people know, I am a big idiot. So the fact that I have not run into a wall and been stuck and been like, ah, oh, man, what do I do? This sucks. I'm angry or something like that. I have been enjoying it and t toying around with it and learn. There's a bunch of, I don't want to say jokes, but obviously there's things I do in the world and take a photo and move it. And when you put a photo down, you know, you delete certain space and time. There's like things that'll break the level. There's references made as somebody who likes to play a game without looking at the trophy list first. I've been having fun times of doing a thing and then a trophy pops and then that thing caught a ch caused a chain reaction that popped a whole bunch of trophies that are going over there. Like I'm enjoying that, but outside of even the trophies because I'm not doing that. It's a fun puzzler. It's it's not it's not challenging. Like I was afraid of like you know puzzle poppy. Of course, is blessing Eddie Oye Jr. He, yeah. he, he wants to be challenged. He wants the witness. He wants the notebook and all that. Like I, I want a few steps below that where I feel like, oh, I can do this. I can do this, and then I do it. And well, that's here's the thing that I feel like Go. I can speak to with the like being a little bit dumb because I that resonates with me a lot, Craig. Where it's like, look, to me, all these games are the witness because <laughs> I'm I'm challenged at that level. Like I don't need you know. Some people seek like that next level challenge. Like Blessing is out here playing like on this S tier puzzle situation i'm not uh, i'm i'm running at full mental capacity just fine with like the normal mode of a decently challenging puzzle game like i don't need to yeah. so i like that you've said that viewfinder is not too intimidating in that sense um by the time this airs i hopefully also would have been viewfinder I haven't started it yet, actually, because I got my own mess going on, but I'll be fine. I don't have any kids. I can just be. Oh, yeah, it. you got no. And that's the thing is, it, like, I can't comment on it. It doesn't right. a, a playthrough of it does not seem long. It, like, I, I played it yesterday afternoon before I got pulled away. Barry, you already beat it, too? No, but you can check, like, your progress, like, in the main menu. And yeah. after playing, like, an hour, it seemed like I was a third of the way through. So Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah. I was going to say, like, I played a little bit when I got home last night, but I can't have played. I would say I'm somewhere between maybe two hours and three hours closer to two, probably, based on how much I was able to play at work. And I'm into Chapter 4 which apparently, according to trophies, is the last chapter of, like, okay. find all these collectibles. There is another thing, but I'm assuming it's going to be an epilogue, like, one mission or whatever, a real thing. But then, of I course... I love a short game. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like this is fun. When, did, when is it over? Yeah, yeah <laughs> I hate, like, and I hate that, right? But, I'm like, this is great. But again, is looking through their trophy list, like, there are a bunch of things to go back and do and collectibles to find. So yeah. it's like, if you do want to speed run the puzzles, great, but then you're going to go back, and there is a narrative happening. There are collectible audio diaries to get there and see what's happening and why you're doing what you're doing and stuff like that, which I wasn't expecting based on. I was like, oh, this is going to be a perspective game. You know, we move things around, make them bigger, make them smaller, but it's good. I'm enjoying it. Uh, I'm looking forward to see how reviews stack up on Monday uh, on Games Daily and then also giving it a score there, but right now I'd say I'm probably, yeah, I'm probably trending towards a four. I think it's great. Like, I'm having a lot of fun with it. I'm not usually the puzzle guy, so the fact that I want to get back to it. Like, you know, last night when I 
uh, got booted up a remote play over there. Of course, send me a project queue. Uh, when I booted up a remote play to play out, there was a brief moment of like, I could go for Diablo, but I'm so close to beating Viewfinder. I want, I want to go back to that, and I chose that. I didn't feel like nice. I was forced into it. Janet, what did you pick to play on PlayStation this week? Even I'm though it's finally- last week. Even though you'll have to then talk about this game, I guess, on the other PS I Love You were recording today. <laughs> I know, yeah. Yeah, I guess I'll have to pick a... Di- That's so weird. Okay, right? I guess I'll, just, I'll stick to one for this episode. Sure. And then I'll talk about everything else on the other episode, even though y'all are getting in a whole different order. It don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> Dordia is the one I want to shout out, because you... I almost texted you about ah. it. And then I've, I've been holding a lot of my text messages just for content, because I'm like, we can just do it on the show. <laughs> um, I finally played it. Uh, I will say, like, I cheated and I'm playing it on Xbox games. So, yeah. Uh, if, send me, if, you, if I get a PlayStation code, I'll switch to PlayStation. I just started. I'm only, like, 30 I put, the, I put them in codes in. all the time. I'm, I say, what do you want a code? You want a code? Yeah, I know, but then sometimes I, like, miss like I miss that boat when it happened. And it's like, you know, once the card moves over in Trello. This is a very behind-the-scenes episode. Yeah. <laughs> We're showing people how games get previewed and then how content gets made. It kind exactly. of funny. <laughs> but either way... Play, check it out. I'm enjoying it a lot. I'm only like 30 minutes to maybe max an hour in. Again, this is also a short game. Um, Greg talked about it a little bit already. It's a narrative, watercolor, art style, beautiful title. Um, it's a lot about kind of going... Explo- it has a lot of elements of a lot of games that I love. You know, I, I get the Gone Home vibes with you're going back to a house. I get the... Yeah. Uh, funnily enough, Greg, I get medium vibes from this because you're switching oh. between like... You know, adult and child. Sure. I mean, not not at will in the way that you did with the medium. Which again, this is like now we're going eight layers. Well, twice even in the medium, in, but... it wasn't really at will. There was very specific puzzles. Yeah, I know, it's true. <laughs> which, anyway, the medium's a whole other thing. I don't want to unearth that trauma again. But like, it, I, there's elements of that, and there's also elements of a game that I literally never remember the name of. It is on Apple Arcade. It is for some reason this game I never remember the name. Of. It's like you're fixing little items. You know, you'll fix like, oh, an old cassette. Oh, yes. Assemble with care? Yeah, thank you. I, yes. And it's not even that I think the name is bad. Like, I'm very open when I think a game name is bad. I just can't never remember it. Like, it's actually probably a pretty good name. It's what the game is, but I can just never remember it. Uh, it has Assemble with care energy. Uh, it has some of that unpacking energy and just the way that you pick up and manipulate objects. Um, and sort of, you know, you mentioned to me when you kind of pitched this game to me, Greg, that it has an aspect of sort of the collage moment of season which again yep. season didn't really hit for me but the collage journal did hit for me very heavily so i think if you're someone that enjoys kind of those buzzwords of hits of experiences that i've kind of thrown thrown out there this is a game that you're going to want to um pick up check out pay attention to i'm really enjoying it so far uh i know you also compare it to um abba wildlife adventure a game that i know a lot of but i have never played yet sure. um yeah i really like it it's very quaint it's very cute and it, um, it's funny, I keep comparing it to Resident Evil because of the um, the sort of fixed camera moments, depending on when you enter a room. And also because for me, while Resident Evil is very much a like capital H horror game, yeah. what, one thing I love about that game is just wa- any of them is just walking through a space and tinkering with things and uncovering stuff. There's very like light object-based puzzles in this. Um, it's just been delightful so far. So I this one really popped for me. I went through a big sit down and game for like eight to 12 hours stream session. And this was one that of all the games I ran through this one, like immediately, like the pop was there. It held my attention. And it's the one that I keep waiting to go back to that. I'm excited to to finish. Hell yeah. 
I like how you're like trying to describe like these this smattering of if you like Greg and mm -hmm. Janet games if you like the games Greg and yes. Janet like you'll like this. Speaking of which, this isn't a PlayStation game, so I'll keep it really short. Did you see on Games Daily today, or have you heard about Sticky Business? Mike did the demo of this and then talked about it oh, today. Oh, sticker game? Yeah, I do know of it. Sarah played it. She was okay on it. Like, yeah. She was red hot. She did, it was on a again not not PlayStation, but. Steam's Next Fest yeah. situation. Yep, 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 if you yep. want to look at games that you want to harass PlayStation to bring to PlayStation, That's the one. Steam Next Fest is a good place to go. Abby, you've been doing your tour. You've been doing all these things. What have you, you got a game on PlayStation you want to shout out that you've been playing? Yeah, uh, I wish I had like a, a nice indie game, uh, <laughs> like obscure indie game that I can be like, oh, I played this like a hipster. But uh, whenever I'm stressed, I play AAA games and... Uh, I actually just beat Ragnarok. Uh, oh, nice. Year. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's been fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, what did you think? Did it live up to the hype? Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> uh, damn it. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have hesitated, but um, I'm a huge fan of the clip original. That out. Clip that out. No, I'm, just <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm a huge fan of the original God of War trilogy and everything mm -hmm. uh, when I grew up. Uh, but I think um, the story and everything is super, super nice here. Um, yeah, it's just a nice popcorn fun. Yeah, for sure. Did you like it more than 2018? Yeah, I liked it more okay. than 2018. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What about yeah. you guys? Yeah, I liked it more than 2018. I think it's always that thing of when you reinvent. I'm also a big fan of the original trilogy. I mean, I even played Chains of Olympus on PSP. Like, I was mm -hmm. heavy in God of War. Mm -hmm. um, like, I think a lot of PlayStation fans were at the mm -hmm. time. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the reboot was really fresh. And it's always that debate that we talk a lot on this show with, like, whether it's like reboot stuff, whether it's just a hard hitting sequel to like a game, like mm -hmm. there's the you don't get the same freshness as like, oh, my mm -hmm. God, it's God of War. Like, I've never seen it before, but yeah. you do get iteration, growth and experimentation in a way that you don't necessarily get from mm -hmm. like that original. So for me, like I love Ragnarok. I like it more than 2018, but mm -hmm. 2018 is more like cozy comfort food a little bit. I feel like maybe shorter in some senses, more cohesive of like this is the story it's a right. it's a it's a dad and his son and they right. have this quest and right. they do the quest you know and i, I loved it <laughs> but ragnarok is so much messier and i love a messy meaty game that's just taking me every which way and i'm yeah. walking in the forest for a while and some people thought that was boring but i liked it a lot i know y'all are tripping sitting on that yak what's what's not to like that's like the best part of the game anyway Greg. <laughs> yeah you know i haven't I agree that Ragnarok is a better game. I think God of War 2018 was just special because it hit me. Yeah. I wasn't expecting it to hit, and I got locked in, and I did like the very simple narrative for that. Because this is the yeah. whole thing where, I, like, when I, when I made the call that I was like, all right, this is going above Peace Walker is, like, my favorite game. It was, like, my favorite complete thing. Whereas, like, I love Ragnarok. I, do not, I think Ragnarok is a better game. But for some reason, I think, again, because I think we knew what we were getting into, it yeah. just didn't hit as hard now in terms of, like, getting distance from it. But if I was mm -hmm. going to you know, rank them, I would still put Ragnarok first. But if it was going to be, like, my favorite game of all time, I'd still put 2018 yeah. there. It's like, mm -hmm. I think Last of Us 2 is better than Last of Us 1. And I might like that Last of Us 2 more than Last of Us 1, but at the same time, if I had to replay one of them, Last yeah. of Us 1 all yeah. day, it's just, like, it's yeah. so... Yeah. In a non-pejorative way, simple yeah. and like known, and I've seen it so many times. I was like, okay, we're back in the car, you know. So, yeah, <laughs> fun times. Well, ladies and gentlemen, 
This has been PSI Love You XOXO. Of course, we're your PlayStation podcast. Each and every week, you can come hang out with us and talk about all things PlayStation. We were early this week. Usually, we're on Fridays. Of course, there's a bevy of old PlayStation shows to go listen to, so go ahead and do that. Of course, go to patreon.com slash kindoffunny, where you can usually watch us record the show live, but you can always get all of our content ad-free. The other podcasts live as we record them. A bevy of bonus shows like Kind of Feudy, which had an amazing Thanksgiving food episode last week, and so much more. If you have no bucks tossed our way, it's no big deal. YouTube.com slash Games. Podcast services around the globe. Use the Kind of Funny code. Kind of funny when you're on the Epic Game Store or when you're playing Fortnite, Rocket League, etc. on your PlayStation 4 or 5. And of course... Maybe you'll be playing this little game called Venba that comes out July 31st. Abby, you're living the dream of releasing a video game and being on, I'm just going to say it, I don't know if it's true, your favorite podcast service, you know, the kind of funny stuff. Is there anything you want to close out and tell the audience? Uh, Yeah. Uh, Thank you so much for having me here, uh, Greg and Janet. um, And I hope you all enjoy the game when it comes out. Remember, it's got a platinum and it seems pretty short, so I'm excited. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time, ladies and gentlemen. It's been our pleasure to serve you.